0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 15 of SG Explained. This is Rovik here coming in right before the episode just to say hi and also to apologize because we had our first technical difficulty of our season. Um, this happened around the 20-minute mark of our episode and we lost around 10 minutes of recording. Uh, if you don't know, we actually record all of our episodes live on Facebook in order to get you, our audience, to interact with us. Unfortunately, Facebook Live had some technical difficulties and we lost Chunk of episode. So, you may notice an interlude where I basically announced that technical disruption. So, again, apologies. The episode was great. We were very happy Hello. to get Martin uh, uh, to tune nice in and, and enjoy.
1: Hey guys, is here, this is Willie. Yeah, uh, no surprise. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 15. We are very excited, as we normally do. We're going to be sharing all of this on our socials. So, uh, all right.
2: Yeah. So how many episodes have we
1: done already, Volik? We have done fourteen episodes. Oh my, you're keeping track. Uh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I know because I upload them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but today is actually a very special episode because we're going to be trying something completely different. Uh, we've had guest hosts before, mm-hmm. uh, but this that is was Elliot. F- yeah. yeah, Elliot and Even Zill. Uh, but this is the first time we're actually bringing uh, someone in to talk to. Yeah. Uh, and and. <laughs> and actually, you can hear him right now because he's he's on the side. Really, I can tell who's who's this. Yeah. Um, so, so without further ado, uh, let us actually introduce uh, our guest speaker. Before we show him, uh, uh, this person is the executive director of the Majority Trust, uh, which is a philanthropic organization that mm-hmm. aims to uh, create social impact programs in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, This person was also the formerly executive director of the Institute of Societal Leadership at SMU and the co-founder of Halogen Foundation. Um, He's done a lot of motivational speaking and training and he has experiences uh, in a bunch of leadership roles and and helping people in this leadership roles, both in private and public sectors. Wow, that's
2: that's an incredible resume. Yeah. And speaking of resumes. (laughs) Actually, that's a good point. (laughs) Uh, Exactly what we are leading in today. We're talking about... No, no. not know we've be talking about resume building, but...
1: No, we're not going to be doing skills building here, but okay. we're actually going to be talking about hiring, ah, uh, yeah. the whole process of hiring, and, and the reason why uh, this is relevant. Actually, let's, let's introduce our sure. our guest. So, moving the camera, and whoops, oh.
2: <laughs> here we go. And who do we have? Maybe we have to tilt the camera
1: a bit. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. There we go. So there we go. Whoops, <laughs> sound, okay. A bit clumsy today. See, we're all, we're all trying something new. <laughs> okay. Okay, hi. <laughs> Hello. Martin, maybe you maybe, me want to squeeze this yeah, Okay. <laughs> hey, guys.
2: Nice and cozy. Cool. Today's yeah. the first time we're going to have three people.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Martin is actually uh, the person I was describing. He is uh, the executive director of the Majority Trust. Uh, Martin, you want to say hi? Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, you're our first guest. Yes, you're uh, our first ever uh, guests who we're going to be chatting with. Uh, I'm number 30 of the people you asked. I'm the only one that said yes. Wow. No, you're actually number one <laughs> of on the people I asked. So I'm very glad you said yes. No, that would have been very embarrassing. Actually, more people are going to be listening to us than watching us. So, uh, yeah, the voice is, is all that matters oops. if you want any advice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, but yeah, uh, the reason why we brought you in is because you've been working on something cool at the Majority Trust with uh, the social price. Tangent, uh, And, you know, fill in the book if, if, I, if I miss out anything, but Tangent aims to broaden the talent base available to companies and create opportunities for people to find work that they will thrive in. Uh, and you guys aim to do that by removing the unconscious bias in current hiring practices. So that's a big question we're going to be talking about. Like, actually... That's a good yeah, summary. Yeah, it's hiring practices currently uh, actually... As fair and as, 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 as well thought out as we like to think it is. Hmm. Uh, yeah, is that is that accurate? That is
3: a, is a good summary of what we do. Yeah. Yeah, I think for us at the Majority Trust, it's a, it's a new outfit, okay. it's a new philanthropic organization, and our goal really, as the name Majority, is the M A J U R I T Y. So, Maju is a, a, a big part of our DNA. To, to advance, to progress as a, as a society, right. uh, as a population as a whole. So we are 100% focused here in Singapore on social causes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an organization, we look at different gaps and different um, challenges that we think the country faces. To sure. a uh, so Tangent was born as a result of that. Uh, it was born as a result of, of this really, the, the way I phrase it is that it's both a frustration as well as an aspiration. Right. right? The frustration is that we keep saying that we, there is not enough talent here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. And it leads to a, a wide variety of, of other challenges that comes along with that particular frame. True. Right. I can't find talent. I can find it from somewhere else. Um, but the reality is that we all know that we have talent here in Singapore. We, we, we know that. We know that because they are our classmates. They are our schoolmates. They are yep. people that we know, we have worked with. Uh, but they don't often get surfaced because they don't usually... Uh, maybe have the right education pedigree. They don't graduate mm-hmm. from the right school with the right degree. These days, even if you are a degree holder, which I think the majority of people, I think over 60% people have a, have a bachelor's degree, uh, it's, are you a first-class honours? Are you a second-class honours? Mm-hmm. So the type of degrees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The level of degrees. And then if you move up, move up from there is what not school you come from. Are yep. you from yep. an Ivy League school or non-Ivy League school, then you realize that the, the pool gets lesser and lesser and lesser. And all of a sudden, we keep hiring people with the same uh, selection pool. Mm-hmm. And then we say that, hey, there's not enough talent. But they are. They just may not fit our stereotype of what we think uh, talent to be. Right. Or what at least our what we call the biases of what talent should look like. Right. Um, so that's the frustration piece, right? There are talent in Singapore, uh, and we need to surface. The aspiration piece is how can we change that? Sure. Um, so Tangent was born as a result of that. And we ask ourselves, if this is a challenge, how do we broaden the talent pool in Singapore uh, by looking at the systems that we are working with? Uh, and we realize that one of the biggest, um, or I would not say biggest, one of the common ways that this bias is kicking mm-hmm. uh, is when we recruit people based on resumes or CVs. Mm-hmm. Now, recruitment can be split up into four unique components. Now, I'm simplifying HR. So mm-hmm. for all the HR professionals out there, please don't shoot me, right? I'm just... Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm not in HR, but, but if, you, if you think of recruitment, it's just in four main buckets. Okay. You start from the recruitment phase, followed by the shortlist, mm-hmm. followed by interview, and followed mm-hmm. by offer. These are the four main buckets. Okay. Right? So recruitment, shortlist, interview, and offer. At every stage or every bucket, you will lose talent. Mm-hmm. The way you recruit, you, will, uh, you won't find certain talent. Yeah. The way you shortlist, you will lose talent. Mm-hmm. The way you interview, you will lose talent. And when you mm-hmm. offer, it doesn't mean that everybody will take your offer, right? So you is, will lose this talent. talent is. that you're talking about one you want, want to-, <coughs> buy, uh, okay. service to you. So yeah. these are the four-step process. A large part of what uh, the HR practitioners or, or the hiring landscape today works is that we tend to say that, you know what, when you apply, I put an air, I use different websites and portals, Mm -hmm. and we say, please submit your resumes, right? And then we get 200, 300 resumes that get through, or we have a portal that we look at people's profiles, their experience, education degree, and so on. Mm -hmm. With that, what we do is that we move to the shortlisting phase Mm -hmm. where I'm an employer. I got 280 resumes. I used to hire a admin and finance manager. I'll be very honest, and this is public. So um, I'm going to confess up in the open. I had 280 resumes. to to come in for an admin and finance job, how do I shortlist them with the resumes? I look at, hey, what education profile do they have? Mm -hmm. Which university they graduate from? Mm -hmm. Do they fit the kind of profile that I'm looking for, right? So immediately I sieve out those that does not have degrees. Does it Mm -hmm. mean that they are not the right fit for the job? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. It's just that because of my selection process, I have sort of said, you know what, they are not within the selection pool I'm looking for, or the shortlist pool. So the unconscious bias that we all have starts kicking in, yep. all right? The unconscious bias of educational pedigree, of uh, gender, uh, of age, mm-hmm. and of relevant experience. Yeah. Sometimes when we think of the things that people want to do, they may not have the necessary experience, but if you give them time, they can actually be very, very good for the job. Mm-hmm. They're just not given the opportunity.
4: Okay. And then we move
3: to the interview phase where we then look at, oh, you know what? I'm down down to 20 people introduce psychometric assessment just to make sure that I find the right candidate in the 20 uh, that's shortlisted. And mm-hmm. then I offer maybe out of two positions I have, I find three that I really want. So that just in case if one say no to me, I still get the other two. Right. Sure. That's a typical process. Sure. The problem is when we use psychometric assessment at the interview phase, we have already lost all the talent that we otherwise would not choose. Mm-hmm. Tangent aims to answer the question by saying, why don't we move the psychometric assessment as the hiring phase or the recruitment phase instead of the interview phase mm-hmm. okay. so we introduce the psychometric assessment right at the beginning so that it removes all the biases from us right it takes away whatever decision that we have to make we just have to identify what is our company's unique profile mm-hmm. which is what tangent do i come to you as a company uh, and i say you know what if you're looking at hiring talent why don't we create a profile for your company now an accountant in your company would be very different from an accountant say in the singapore government maybe a very different company, uh, an accountant is needed in Virgin Active, for example, mm-hmm. because they all have a unique company DNA. Mm-hmm. Same job type, but different personality types. Yep. Right? So if I can create the benchmark of what your company is, when I start the recruitment process, I no longer say, please submit your resumes. All I say is, please scan this QR code, please click here, and then what you do is you just take this psychometric assessment. Mm-hmm. We take what all the candidates that come in, we filter them through the company profile. And then I now know based on the attributes that your companies are looking for, what is the right fit? And then you move to the interview phase where we reintroduce the resumes yeah. uh, because hiring managers do need something to hook onto, right? Yeah. And say, you know, I want to know your CCA, I want to know your sports. So in a certain extent for tangent, we're not trying to disrupt the entire hiring landscape completely.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: We're just re, uh, prioritizing what is important And using psychometric assessment, by flipping it from the interview (laughs) phase right to the recruitment phase, we have the ability now to remove all the biases, that inherent biases that we might have. And then it creates opportunities for far more people. um, Then otherwise our traditional method will see us losing
2: See, it's pretty cool.
1: Sorry, that was a long spiel. No, no, I appreciate that because that gives us... That's the end of the episode. (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say, say, you basically answered all our questions uh, already. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's an important framing because I, I, I can appreciate the, the way we think about recruitment now all the way from, from uh, what were the four stages you said? So recruitment, recruitment shortlist, shortlist interview, interview, and offer. And and offer. offer. Yeah. right I was going to say you could probably put in like a probationary period as well. Sometime. Well, I think all
3: companies have like a three-month, six-month probation, right? Yeah. Mm. So to a certain extent, the, the standard HR process doesn't change. Mm. Uh, we, we are very mindful that what we're asking for of the market uh, is to really rethink really hiring. Now yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to say that we're disrupting is the I mean we we are trying to have some level of disruption. Yeah. uh but we want to do it in a way that the market will will respond to it. So because mm-hmm. the, the goal for Tangent isn't to to be the only platform mm-hmm. or the system. We are mm-hmm. to a certain extent platform agnostic. We're not here to sell products. Mm-hmm. Right? Our goal is to rally enough companies who will say you know what Maybe it's true. Maybe I, I don't have to hire using resumes anymore. Mm. I want to hire differently. I want to find talent. I want to find the people that otherwise mm. wouldn't get and see, right? right. Yep. Uh, because they'll be discriminated against in the whole process and so on. Um, but I don't have a way to do it or it's too costly a way mm. to do it. Uh, what is the option
2: out there? Yeah. So Tanjun is trying to create an option. I see. So, so, so speaking of, I mean, you just brought up discrimination. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I heard it, right? Yeah. So... What do you th- I mean, I think the most poignant question I really want to ask is like, so do you think there is still a large amount of discrimination in the workplace right now? I mean, especially during the hiring process. Do you think, do you think discrimination is very rampant in, in hiring? Well, I,
3: I have to say that discrimination is a big, it's a big and heavy word, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would say conscious bias leads into some form of discrimination, right? Okay. right? Because discrimination is a objective I wouldn't. Think, okay, let's a uh, better ways of phrasing it is a it's a deliberate acting out of a bias that you know that you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One would right? even
1: argue that discrimination is part of the hiring process. Ah, well, you, you could
3: say that. Sure. I mean, in in a in a classic way, if you think about how our education system is designed, mm-hmm. there is some form of discrimin- discrimination in, right? It's yeah. supposed supposed to spread you out in terms mm-hmm. of your learning abilities, your learning styles, uh, where potentially you can go in the future. Are uh, signs or you good at language and yeah. so on. Uh, so to a certain extent, we, which is why I said the discrimination is a very heavy word. Mm-hmm. Because when you use discrimination, uh, it has a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, to a certain extent, our education does it in a, in a good intention. Right? Okay. Looking at what your, what your profile, talent profile is and say that you, know what, you might be suited for this trajectory or this, uh, this work. Yep. Uh, in a hiring landscape, I think we do that. Uh, we do that by saying that, hey, you know what? Uh, we think that this kind of uh, skill set must be more relevant to this kind of industry. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, some people who are better in numbers would ideally be in an accountant mm-hmm. right? or be in a finance industry. Right. Uh, some people who are artistically good should be in the creative industry. Now, sure. that's our classic way of looking at talent. That's mm-hmm. our, 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 our classic way of looking at skill sets. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how we have been doing it. But right. the reality is there are some people who are really gifted in numbers are also very gifted in art.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm not surprised. Yeah. Right? There are yeah. some people who are really good in numbers but really don't like being an accountant. Of course. But they're just yeah. good at it. Of course. Right? It doesn't mean they're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal for the majority of the trust is to build thriving communities. So when we look at occupations, when we look at companies, how do people thrive in their job is when they find the right attributes for the right fit for the right job. Mm-hmm. And if we can get companies to rethink that formula of hiring in terms of discrimination. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so I would take one step back and say, you know what, maybe if we don't see it in a negative light and we give, benefit, we give the benefit of doubt to employers, right. a lot of it may be unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. When we look at resumes, we tell ourselves, you know what, maybe uh, this person's background is more suited for it. They may not be able to articulate that, oh, I did that because I saw this person is the president of the photographer society, right? Because when we read the resume, what kicks in is is the stereotype that you create of that person. Uh So the more we can actually remove those biases, the better the system might become. So
1: so what I'm I'm hearing, what I'm uh, actually thinking through when it comes to hiring is that there are probably two key areas, right? Mm -hmm. The first is you're talking about how do you overcome uh, negative discrimination, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like, you know, uh, excluding people who, you know, uh, could be basically the best person for the job, but because of some kind of stereotyping based gender, race, yes. uh, ability, like as in physical ability, then then you discriminate them. And what I'm hearing is that there is this this methodology could potentially address that. And I'm also hearing progressively uh, when it looks when you look at you know maybe not even uh, identity-based discriminators, but also just overall. Um, does this person have a hidden skill or does this person have uh, maybe a more uh, in a, a skill that needs to be tuned out a mm-hmm. bit more and you're also being able to find that because you're not looking at just grades or, or a stereotypical picture of a person yeah basically looking at them. maybe so I'm actually interested because let me give you some statistics that i found uh, that can maybe frame this right mm-hmm. so from 2012 to uh, October 2018 HAFEC, which is a mm-hmm. tripartite alliance for fair and progressive employment practices. And we'll talk about who they are a bit later. Uh, they basically uh, issued a statement saying that they received 1,600 complaints on workplace issues uh, when it came to discrimination. And amongst those, uh, some of them were about persons with disabilities, some of them were about age-based discrimination. And these numbers tend to average around 10 to 20% mm-hmm. of, of the overall complaints that happen. So, um, and then, you know, we're also hearing about, for example, recently with the HIV uh, leak that happened, right? Uh, a lot of concerns about, you know, bosses potentially using that as an opportunity to fire people, to let go of people. Is is discrimination and bias, as, as you mentioned, actually a big deal in Singapore? Like, is that something that, you, that you're seeing? Or is that, you know, like, how, how is that like? Because I imagine that in Singapore, with so much cultural norms and so much cultural inclinations, and that that's something that could be blanketed at just like, oh, like that's just the way we do things. Well, I first and foremost, I'm not an expert sure. in
3: uh, workplace culture to a certain extent sure. in terms of uh, in, in terms of the discriminatory uh, possibilities there are in workplaces. Right. Um, I've been lucky enough to be an employer in a lot of times, uh, and. In offices, what we try to do is to build a culture that everybody is there to support each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I recognize that it, mm-hmm. that it may not be like 100% of all companies think that, mm-hmm. that every employee is valued in a certain way. Right? Sure. So there are cases that I know of, of people, I mean, friends of mine, who have to fight their company because um, they were pregnant and after they gave birth, they were fired or before they gave birth, they were fired. Yeah, that sucks. Right? It that sucks, right? Sucks, right? Yeah. Um, and then when you talk to the companies or when they uh, uh, seek some help for mediation, the companies will say, well, it's bad performance. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just so coincidence mm-hmm. that you fire the person before the maternity or before the person gave birth and so on. Now, uh, are there grounds for people to fire uh, if it's gross misconduct, if it's uh, really... Uh, incompetence or lack of performance, I, I think companies must have the ability to do that. I don't think any employee should be hiding behind discrimination to say, oh, you know, you're firing because of, and then we relinquish our responsibility as a as an employee to perform. Sure. Yeah. It, it cuts both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Both for the employer as well as for the employee. Mm-hmm. But at the same token as I put this responsibility of all of us as employee, I myself being one of my boss um The reality is that employers have to be sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. Employers have to know, that, hey, there's something that I cannot do. If you take half, for example, the reality is that we have enough legislation against discrimination. We have enough legislation now uh, against some of the situation where employers cannot fire someone because uh, she is pregnant, mm-hmm. right? we cannot fire someone because of disability, or something. Even right now, when you place an ad for recruitment, you can no longer say you're looking for Chinese, you cannot, so raise cannot be there.
0: Hey guys, this is exactly where the technical disruption happened. Uh, so we're just going to skip on ahead to where we have good recording.
2: Okay, where were we? Uh, Sorry for the interruption, guys. So uh, we're back <laughs> online. We had a technical so, difficulty. Yeah, modern day problems. of so. yeah, all problems. Festival problems, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where anyway, were we? we were talking about variables we talk- in hiring, and do you think it's just going to be continuing adding all these variables? Yeah. And you said- and your I think your question is a good one. Are we
3: adding uh, more variables in the equation? And I think my point before the commercial break, <laughs> we should really think about commercial break. We should, right? So my point about before the commercial break is that if we go back to the point that the economy shouldn't be seen as purely a production line where sure. you warm bodies as workers to fill certain right. jobs, we need to start looking at people as a whole. Sure. Right. People that we need to develop. Mm-hmm. People we need to develop both as a country, so be it a government, mm-hmm. uh, as a company, mm-hmm. where my talent is the people that I grow. And often or not, if I grow a talent, mm-hmm. it may not benefit me because the person move on, it will benefit another company. Sure. But someone else doing for another staff will benefit me. Mm-hmm.
4: It, because the economy is just
3: that's how it works. Everybody moves. And if we all treat our workers right, if we all treat them as an individual person, um, then we all benefit. I suppose, right?
2: it, I mean, this is definitely is both ways, right? It yeah. works both if, ways. If, if, uh, if you have an employee who is really exploitative, then so I suppose investing in him only to see him leave uh, is it's, it's really painful at the same time. Correct. Yeah. And and, and replacement cost is
3: high. Exactly. So the more we can develop a person, the better it is. Mm. So to your question, are we adding more things? Which is why I was hesitating when answering. Mm. The the answer is yes, we are adding more things that Mm. we look at. Mm -hmm. But the way I will frame it is that we should have been doing this in the past. We just don't have the methodology or the ability to do it. Because if I want to understand you as a person, what makes you tick, what motivates you, what's your interest profile, what gives you strength? We never had that ability to do it on a mass scale level. Therefore, we default to something manageable, which is I look at resumes, Mm -hmm. right? What do I look at the resumes? I look at uh, not just your education in your resumes. I look at what CCAs you're involved in or extracurricular. I make a mental note that, oh, you are a secretary in the football club, you are the vice captain, uh, and then you were part of the boys' brigade, uh, and you attained a rank of a staff sergeant, for example. Now, what do I do as an employer? I make a mental note of your attributes, right? This person is resilient enough, this person is accomplished, uh, a high accomplisher, uh, this person has some discipline in order to rise to staff, sergeant. We do this at the back of envelope calculation very quickly. Mm-hmm. Right? So we do do that, and we do want to find those attributes. We just never had the ability to do that on an on mass
2: basis. Sometimes, would you think that it's sometimes a little bit counterintuitive as well? Because mm-hmm. people are trained to basically give an interview, uh, trained to actually mm-hmm. write a good resume, yep. write, uh, Even sometimes even trained to... Uh, consider how they should put themselves for psychometric tests. Yeah. I'll say that even companies even go down to your Facebook and Instagram. Yes. And just it's very wide out. now. Right? Yeah, right. Just just to see how you are. And you know, I think there are some employees who also don't want to uh, be friends with their bosses online, like Facebook. I know I've been <laughs> trying to add this staff of mine, but uh, it just never accepts my... Uh, uh, very touchy. <laughs> as, a, as a practice, I have,
3: as an employer, I don't add my staff on Facebook. Uh, as a practice. Right? right. Because
1: if they add you, if they add me on my head,
3: okay, it has to be what they want to do. Right, okay. uh, because I think as employers, we have a, a dual responsibility not to place a burden. Right. Exactly what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. If my boss adds me on Facebook, now is me having to make a decision. <laughs> do I say yes? Do I say no? Mm-hmm. If I say yes, am I seen as wanting to show all my life to my boss? If I say no, what will my boss think of me? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the reality of how an employee will react when a boss starts adding. Right. So, for me personally, as a matter of principle, I never add my stuff. Okay. Right. 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 But if they want to add me, I'm perfectly fine. Right. Uh, unless they were start I knew beforehand that I've added on Facebook, and then it comes into a different story. Right?
2: Sure. I mean, I, I'm saying that people are beginning to also c- uh, consider dressing their lives. Yeah. Dressing in and and I, I I suppose these things are becoming much more unclear as well. True. Yeah. And 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 so I I think uh, I mean that's why if. In, university or sometimes you have these like uh, career preparation courses, right how, do, how should you speak how what you can say and and these are like your supposedly a you 10-year know, series uh, allows you to land a job effectively yeah. i suppose do you think that 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 is that isn't really the case sometimes i mean not, that, do you think that is a good way of uh, getting a job, because since we are trying to get more data yeah. and try to understand a good fit, that's what I think we're trying to do. Yeah. But don't you think that these things are also counter to at the same time? Well, I think everyone
3: wants to succeed. Mm. and Because everybody wants to succeed, uh, they will do almost everything to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Right. So am I therefore saying that we should no longer look at how a person dress? No, I think that's part and parcel of discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we therefore uh, no longer look at, during my interview process, uh, I ask the questions that will tease out the character, ethics kind of questions. I think we should, should still have. It. Mm-hmm. So remember when I first talked about the four step process, mm-hmm. um, you will realize that when we talk about disrupting hiring, I don't change that four step process at all. Mm-hmm. I don't replace interview at all. Right, Interview is still needed right. for us to verify. Yeah. Because the reality is that when we introduce a psychometric assessment at the start, all we are wanting to do is to take away all the biases so mm-hmm. that we get a data clean. And we filter the data during a shortlisting phase based on the company benchmark, right? Yeah. So that is an important aspect for us. Now, a good question which you alluded to is that like, can I game a psychometric assessment? Right? Mm.
1: Which is your point of earlier, right? It's yeah. going to be almost every Singaporean's like, Trying to parents' uh, like prescription, right? Now there's a psychometric test. So therefore, you it take a class. class. Yes, yeah, a 10-year series. Yeah. I it's mean,
2: I, I could change my MBTI. <laughs> the <laughs> the ten ten yeah. I this is
3: This is the way I tell companies because it's a very common question. Mm. that's what the interview is for. Mm. You can try to game a system, but psychometric assessments and and profiling tools are getting more sophisticated today. Mm -hmm. That there's enough data points to tell you whether this person is sort of gaming the system or not. You will not get the kind of profile that you want. Mm -hmm. Now, A good way of looking at a psychometric profile or assessment is that it's really a mirror. Mm -hmm. It's not a test. Mm -hmm. Right? uh what you want is to be able to for people to know you Mm. it's not for people to know the you that you want them to know Mm -hmm. it's for people to know you because the right fit comes when you are true to yourselves now if i'm working for a german company for example if i'm going to interview in a german company i as an employee start thinking the german company is high on precision Efficiency, for example, uh, punctuality. These are traits within the German work culture, for example. Sure. Uh, Again, very stereotype. It may be fun-loving and stuff like that. They probably are. Um, Then you think about me trying to game the system. Therefore, I must be like that, right? Mm -hmm. You can get through to the interview phase. Mm -hmm. When they start looking at their resume and then they start interviewing you, Mm -hmm. they'll probably know, you know what? This is very different from the profile that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Because your line cannot lie. You can gain one company. You can't gain every company because every company looks for different things.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right?
3: So you can say that, oh, I can change my psychometric assessment based on different companies. Yes, you can, but you cannot, you cannot change your experience. You cannot change who you are and your references. Yeah. So when we hire people, we always have to look at 360 degree look. which is why we have references, which is why we call and say that, hey... Give me a little bit more information about this guy what do you think right so so I think you can lie to a person once I don't think you can lie to a person twice and I I, I my point to employees is that why would you want to do that your goal is to find the right the best company for you that's Mm -hmm. your goal Mm -hmm. if you
2: start changing who you are you're never gonna grow in the company are there situations where an individual is just not fit for any company or rather a majority of companies.
3: They could be an, they could be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. which it's a, a very, very good option for many people. Now, mm-hmm. I, I have to say that when we are young, our go, our, our ability to try and fail is there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I wouldn't, I, I, because this is a, a for public, I don't want people to listen in and say, oh, you know, therefore, I'm not, uh, I, I can't find the right fit, therefore, I'm not sure. going to work, right? Okay. And then they go with the parents, and the parents, at, you know, they're at 30 years old. Oh, I heard a podcast, you know, sometime <laughs> back, and the, the people there say that, you know, if I don't find the right fit, I won't be happy. I'm, I'm very mindful that. Okay. That's not how life works. Okay. Right? We will have our setbacks, and that's part and parcel of learning. There are some of us were lucky enough. The first job, we are very happy, and we grow from there. There's some of us who our first job is the worst job ever, and then we realise no, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. All what we are trying to do at tangent is to give people a higher possibility of success.
4: Mm-hmm. Right?
3: So people ask me, Martin, what is the what is the success of tangent? Right? I think mm-hmm. it's a very genuine question. Mm-hmm. How would you decide whether tangent is successful or not? And my point to them is that I'm not an affirmative action initiative. Tangent is not there to increase minorities. Tangent is not there to increase disability, employment. Tangent is not there to to be an affirmative action. Tangent is there with a very clear value proposition to companies and employees, create more opportunities, widen the talent pool by Mm -hmm. changing the way we think about hiring. Mm -hmm. The way I measure the the success of Tangent is how many percent of people have been given an opportunity for an interview they otherwise would never have. So if I take uh, my pilot last year, 1,200 uh, actually took the psychometric assessment. They don't submit the resumes. They click on the QR They scan the QR code. They click on the link. All they did was to put the demographic profile, uh, take a 90-minute assessment, and brought it down to 30 minutes now. Um, and they wait for news whether they fit the future or not. Of the 1,200, 860 have then completed the assessment.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Of the 860, the oldest candidate was 72 years old. The youngest was 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One third of them have no college degrees. Mm. About slightly under one third of them have no background in the financial industry. Sure. From 860, we brought down to 88 candidates mm-hmm. and we asked them to submit a video resume of themselves. Not mm-hmm. a resume, but really our campaign was what we were looking for different. So we said that, you know what, three minutes, tell us why you're different.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And for the seven year old who, uh, father of five, asked the two teenage daughters and interviewed him. So he was wearing shorts on the bottom of HDB block this maybe 14-year-old girl, his daughter was asking, so, Daddy, why are you different? Right? So, that's their way of showing how different they are. Yeah. From that 88, we filtered out 40 candidates who were invited for interview. Of the 40, slightly over 20% have no college degree. Mm. Slightly below 20% have no financial background. Mm-hmm. Now, that to me is what tangent is about. Right. I have just given 20% of these people an opportunity that they would otherwise never have now once they're at that stage i'm going to tell them it's up to you now my job is to get you through the door uh, mm-hmm. you now have an opportunity to be able to convince the other person that you are worthwhile for the job all right uh, this forty went down to 14 and then diamond asia offered eight or eight accepted remember i was telling you the offer stage mm-hmm. you will lose talent as well right mm-hmm. if you have no one at the right fit the person is going to leak. sure they offered eight or eight accepted mm, of the eight Two of them have no college degree. Two of them have no relevant experience, mm. and they're doing well.
1: That's very cool. So, yeah. so I guess you know, just to, to bring this all back to, to to SG explained as a as a, as a mission and, and purpose. How do you think this shapes or, or potentially changes the narrative of of how life is in Singapore? Because you know, uh, there was a very uh, prominent forum that happened recently yeah. where a bunch of employees were talking about, you know, changing hiring practices. Uh, Minister Ongi Kang was there and he said, you know, I'm encouraging people to think more broadly. Yep. Uh, the founder of Majority Trust was there, Dan Young, yeah. and he challenged employees to use 10%, yep. that's right, it. To, to do resume-blind hiring. Um, how do you think that's going to change the way we see ourselves as Singaporeans? Do you think that's the way it changes how we operate as Singaporeans? Is there potential there? I, I think that, well, I have to believe there is. Right. right.
3: Um, and I really do think there is. First and foremost, I think the narrative, um, that the fact that our only natural resource are people. Right. And that holds true 50 years ago is hold true to today. Mm-hmm. Right? Our only natural resource, I mean, our geographical, bound, our geographical location is a natural resource as well, but right. that's another, sure. that's a topic for another time. Yeah, Entrepreneur,
1: right. yeah, we got it also. all. Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's on your list somewhere. Yeah. Um, The reality is that people are our natural resource. If we do not broaden the talent base of how people choose talent, Mm -hmm. we are just shooting ourselves in the foot. That's true. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's key for us, it's almost imperative for our survival, that as a country as small as ours, and as globally connected as ours, it's almost imperative for us to rethink the way that we define what talent is. Mm -hmm. Uh, More and more, it cannot be defined by academic excellence. More and more, it cannot be. More and more, it cannot be defined uh, and be biased against by gender, uh, by age, by relevant experience. Because when you are as small as we are, and as globally collected as we are, and as thriving as we are, you need all hands on deck. And the all hands on deck cannot be a uniform, homogeneous way of looking at what talent is about. Yeah. because we are shortchanging ourselves. Um, and I think that's key. I think that's key for us. I won't say that it's about changing the narrative. I think the narrative has always been there, that mm-hmm. we've always valued people as the resource that will help grow this country. Mm-hmm. And we've always valued the fact that education is the leveler so that everybody has an opportunity.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, I think the key for us is to say that, hey, if talent is out there, the question is, are we finding them? Right. It's no. It, it cannot be. The frustration that we have is that there's no talent in Singapore. I refuse to believe that, mm. and I know that for a fact because I have family, I have friends whom I know they may not have the education that some of us have, but they are great talent. They just may not have been given the
2: opportunity. Mm. Awesome. That's, Thank, yeah, it's fantastic, man.
1: Yeah, we have we have one last question we're gonna ask of every guest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And this is, this is something starting with guys, you. Yeah, so starting let's, you. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Starting with you with every guest. Okay. Yeah, so. Because this is as you explained, what does it mean for you? So, so if you want to give a cliche answer, that's, that, that's up to you. But what does it mean for you to be a Singaporean? We're trying to figure it out for ourselves. And we want to hear it from everyone else. Wow. What does it mean to be
3: a Singaporean? My passport? My identity? Right. Uh, this wasn't fit, fair to me in the beginning, so I didn't have time to think about it. <laughs> I think um, I put it there somewhere.
4: Yeah, somewhere.
2: <laughs> oh, yes, I know where okay. it is. Right oh, I see. Oh, there it <laughs> is. Oh.
3: Okay, I did read. Um, I think to be a Singaporean is to have an ideology of pragmatism. I think that's the best way I can put it. Um, I'm a big admirer of the United States. I, I, I really am. I'm friends who know me say, know that I'm crazy about politics and understanding American politics. Um, America's ideology is very aspirational. They mm-hmm. have the ability to, their, their goal is to red tyranny around the world. If you go to Washington, D.C., which I know you have, at the monument, it says their goal is to red tyranny around the world. And it's highly aspirational. If you ask any kid uh, in, in junior high and say, What's your aspiration in America? President of the United States of America. They believe that they can be. Mm-hmm. Maybe now not so. <laughs> but, uh, different, different time. Right. Um, for me, Singapore's ideology has always been pragmatism, and I, I appreciate that because we are small. Uh, we're trying to punch above our weight. It's not the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in my previous role in the Singapore Management University, I had the privilege of meeting very senior leaders and interview them and sit with them,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I realized that what we have today is not by fluke; it's by sheer hard work. Mm-hmm. And there's a price, there's a price for peace. Mm-hmm. And the re- the reality of us being able to who we are today is because there was peace,
4: mm-hmm.
3: right? There's general peace, there's no war during our time. And because there's no war, we could profit from it. We can mm-hmm. grow from it. So being pragmatic in the sense that what works for our country may not work for everybody else, but it works mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And I would like a country to be more idealistic. Um, and I think we're slowly getting there. I've always said that, you know what, if there's any country in the world that can be 100% carbon emission-free, it should be Singapore. Right? We're small enough, if you think about it. I mean, we can ban chewing gum. Loud, right? Right. Right? So can we be 100% carbon emission-free? We can, right? So, but we're pragmatic. Uh, we realize that some things take time. The technology is not there. It's not cost-effective. So that's how we are. And I don't think we should lose them. I think, um, I think we should constantly know our place and our role in the world. And know what works for our people because I think the preoccupation of any government should be the well being of its citizens.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? And that might mean the well being of the community around us right. because it directly impacts who we are. Mm-hmm. So, that ideology of pragmatism is an important one. Uh, so, to me, what makes me a Singaporean or what I think is a Singaporean uh, is that ability to navigate the world and say be pragmatic in our response, um, in the way we are friends with everybody in the way that it doesn't matter I'm from a small country. I know my place in the world. I'm proud of my place in the world. Uh, I know that it takes hard work to maintain that. That it's not something that I I should take for granted. uh, But something that I should be very proud of and something that I should need to ensure that my children have the ability to say the same thing that I say today. Mm -hmm. Because the previous generation did it. Uh, you mentioned in the introduction, that I, used, I started the Halogen Foundation. Um, we, we train young people in leadership development. Mm. And there's a, there's, a, there's a saying that we have that I, I use still today, that we want to repay the debt we owe the previous generation by serving the next. Mm. The reason why I do what I do today, the reason why a lot of my volunteers, a lot of my staff do what we do today, It's because we want to repay the debts we owe the previous generation by serving the next. Mm. And I think if we all have that ability to say that, you know what? I am who I am. I am the Singaporean that I am because our forefathers have paid the price for where we are today. Then our responsibility is to say, will our next generation be as proud to say that this is the country they are? Now, it does not mean that everything is rosy. Can things become better? Absolutely. But we need to have those conversations which is what SGS Planner oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> is all about. Is that a good plus? Is that a yeah. good plus for you? Oh, awesome.
2: <laughs> Great way to bring it back. So. Actually, oh, all right. We need a permanent speaker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on, on that note, thank you so much, Martin, for coming down. Thank on you, on Martin. Monday, thank bye. you very it's much. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we would love to keep this conversation going both on and offline. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you are listening in and you want to get in touch, uh, Martin, how can people reach out to you? Well, uh, you can email me
3: Tan at majority.sg, M-A-J-A-U-R-I-T-Y.sg. Uh, uh, or there's a public page. You can link me on Facebook. It's just Martin Tan Singapore. You mm-hmm. should be able to find me. And I'm very mindful it's a podcast. It's going to live forever. Right? Yeah. As long as you don't take it down, it's going to live forever. So, somewhere, somehow, someone watching this right now that is the year 2050 and then you're wondering what these three guys are talking about. There used to be something called resumes. <laughs> you may not believe it, but there used to be something called right,
1: resumes. It's an artifact. But because of mind. tangent, things have changed. But. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, to all our listeners and audience, thanks for tuning in. And thanks for uh, tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. See you, man. All see right. guys. Good night.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We're really glad to have you following us for the past 15 episodes. Uh, If you have been listening consistently, please do leave a review. Rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and any other podcast platform you are on because those reviews help us get to a wider audience and get more people to understand what it means to live in this country. So please share, please rate, and please review. Uh, Till the next episode. See you.